Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Now to another legal case that we are watching. We are awaiting the response from Fox News to the bombshell lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems that has shown the real fraud in the 2020 election was actually the false claims being stoked on their network by their hosts and their guests. As Fox on-air personalities and senior executives privately admitted it was all a lie. What the latest filing also showed, which is perhaps not surprising at all, is the extent to which Fox News was acting as the campaign arm of the Republican Party. Meanwhile, we're seeing a split in the Republican Party put on full display with two competing events. You have the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, that has become the island of misfit toys, for lack of a better term, made up of the MAGA fanatics, which Donald Trump and Carrie Lake will be headlining. And then you have the Jeb Bush allied Republicans down in Florida at the Club for Growth's annual retreat, which will include Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence. But let me be clear, whatever schism exists between these two factions, the end goal is the same, going after tax cuts for the super wealthy and deregulation of their industries. For decades, they've tolerated extremists in the party base, regardless of whether that meant white supremacists or racists or violent extremists who would, let's say, sack the U.S. Capitol, as long as they were willing to put their votes on the table to help put a Republican in the White House. Which brings me back to this melding of Fox News and the Republican Party. Perhaps the perfect example is former House Speaker Paul Ryan, who, if you didn't know, sits on the board of directors at the parent company of Fox News. In fact, he has done so almost since the time he left Congress, where his one big accomplishment as Speaker of the House was passing the massive tax cut that benefited almost solely the super rich and big corporations, for which he squinted his eyes, gritted his teeth, and tolerated the growing MAGA movement. The latest Dominion filing appears to show Ryan repeatedly pleading with top Fox executives to move on from Donald Trump and stop spouting election lies. But Ryan has remained on that board as Fox continues to this day to push some of the same lies that he was supposedly fighting against. Last week, he was asked about that very decision by the Bulwark's Charlie Sykes. Is there a red line for you at any point where you said, I cannot be associated with a company that does this? I want to see the conservative movement get through this moment. And, and, and I think Fox is a big part of the constellation of the conservative movement. And I want to see it is really it the is. solution or the problem. Oh, no, I, I think it's it's going to it's going to have to be a part of the solution if we're going to solve the problem, in the conservative movement, because there isn't a bigger platform than this in, in America. So I think the conservative movement is going through a lot of churn and a lot of turmoil. And I don't like where it is right now. But it does appear that Paul Ryan is doing at Fox what he did in Congress, focusing not on what is right, but on securing the proverbial bag. Because as Rupert Murdoch said in his deposition, it's not about the red or the blue, it's about the green. 
Joining me now is Charlie Sykes, editor-at-large of The Bulwark and an MSNBC columnist. And Katie Fang, MSNBC legal contributor and host of The Katie Fang Show on MSNBC, is back with me as well. And I want to thank you, Katie, uh, for some great uh, legal pinch hitting as well on that previous story. But, Charlie, I do want to go to you first because you did get a chance to talk to Paul Ryan. And he does strike me as kind of the human embodiment of the problem here. He was willing to put up with a lot of shenanigans um, in the House as Speaker and put up with a lot of Trumpism and endorsed Trump because he wanted the tax cut and he needed the votes of the base of the Republican Party to get it. Well, it is interesting that uh, Paul Ryan is taking the same approach to his position on the Fox board as he did uh, as speaker in the Trump administration. You know, when Trump was president, he basically said, I'm not going to criticize him in public. I'm going to talk to him in private. I want to be in the room. And this is this culture that's been developed. Paul Ryan's not alone in all of this, this idea that in order to be relevant, that you are in the room. So what they 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 tell themselves, the story they tell themselves is that they make all of these compromises and all these surrenders for the greater good because they can prevent something awful to happen. Same thing with Fox News. He thinks that if he tells Rupert Murdoch in private, this is terrible, um, we can't keep doing this, that that's enough, that he doesn't have to talk to the stakeholders, the shareholders, the public. He doesn't have to tell the American public that Fox is telling them lies. And so this has basically now become this culture that, that Paul Ryan embodies, which is that you know, whatever principles we have to uh, shed, as long as we're in the room, as long as we can influence things, but we're seeing where it led. Um, It didn't happen in the room, right? Paul Ryan thought that maybe he could get Fox to stop spreading the election lies. Tucker Carlson's still on the air. Tucker Carlson is still pushing the conspiracy theories. Other people have quit. Paul Ryan stays. I mean, the thing is, is that the something bad did happen. I mean, the problem with that logic, Charlie, is that the something bad happened. There yeah, was an insurrection did. at the Capitol. Five people died. Police officers were injured. Something of over 100 police officers were grievously injured, one later dying. Um, you know, and so the, the, they've never prevented the something bad. You know, but the right. thing that they've gotten is the one thing that has been the precious for Paul Ryan. That massive tax cut is what he got out of compromising with Trump. And then he left. He literally physically left the Congress once he got it, because that's really all he wanted. And I I take you to this quote that you're probably familiar with, Grover Norquist, that he said, he said it before, but he said it again in 2012, that it doesn't matter who the president is for him. He's the guy who wants to cut all taxes. He says, I just need a Republican with enough working digits to sign the bills that we've already prepared. So is that where we are, that the Republican Party is now saying it doesn't matter how violent it gets, how crazy it gets, how racist it gets. We just want these tax cuts and we will tolerate anyone to get them. Well, they want a lot of other things. And I I did point out to uh, to uh, Paul Ryan, you know, who is now coming back and as a fiscal conservative, that that tax cut um, added about what, one point nine trillion dollars to the national uh, debt and how ironic that that was. But, yeah, it is this binary choice. And and, but again, you know, Paul, Paul is sort of somebody from the past. You know, I kept looking at him thinking everything you're talking about must come with a unicorn because you, you are not acknowledging the way the world has changed. A lot of the things that you're talking about, the way you describe the Republican Party, it doesn't exist anymore. This is not a party that's interested in governing. This is not a party that has a, a philosophy or a platform. And I think you're seeing that on a daily basis when the clown cars of the House uh, Republican majority. And then it 
gets to another issue, Katie, which I'm glad that you're here. We need a legal voice here because as you as you read through what Rupert Murdoch was saying, I'm getting calls from my friend Jared Kushner. He's having all of these conversations with the campaign. He opposes the idea, as do many of the top people on Fox, that they made this accurate call. I mean, there is a wing in there that does very accurate election calls, and they didn't like what they were doing. Uh, there were reporters who were attacking and, you know, angry texting journalists at Fox, the small number that are actually trying to be journalists, and saying, how dare you report on this election in a way that makes our stock price be at risk. But there's this piece um, that I want to read to you from the Dominion filing. And this is the part I, I want to ask you about. During Trump's campaign, Rupert Murdoch provided Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner with Fox confidential information about Joe Biden's ads, along with debate strategy, providing Kushner a preview of Biden's ads before they were public. This sounds like Fox News is not so much is not a news organization. I think we're clear that they're not. They're a propaganda outfit, as they've been called by leaders in the Democratic Party. Yeah. But are they also guilty of colluding? And essentially, is this a campaign finance issue? Are they part of the Republican Party and Republican campaigns? So they are a propaganda arm, but then that is a good question. Was there an in-kind contribution that was made that was not documented for? Was right. there something of value that was given to benefit Trump because of the fact that they were giving all this inside information? At the end of the day, I don't know if it rises to the level, Joy, but I do think what's troubling is that it just points to the reality, which is the almighty dollar is what was driving it. But if that's the case, then there has to be something that accounts for what am I giving you, which is why, again, maybe there's an in-kind contribution that was provided for which it was no doc. There was no documentation for which there was nothing that was accounted for. But it's really can the shareholders joy. They are the people that can actually bring Fox to its knees. They could give the financial death penalty. The shareholders suing that board of Paul Ryan and others and saying, you breached your duties of loyalty, your duties of competency, your duties of diligence in the way that you ran this company. Kick out your executive board, kick out all the high level personnel and make them pay for what they've done in the literal of senses. Well, let me ask you this, because we're, we're going to talk in a, in a little bit about the fact that it's going to now be the door is now open for the officers who were injured um, in, mm -hmm. uh, in the January 6th insurrection to sue Donald Trump. Could they theoretically sue Fox News? I mean, because Fox News is pumping the information that then also feeds these people's rage and false information. I mean, are they open now essentially to claims by people who were injured on January 6th? I think you'd have a serious causation problem. I think you could sue. I don't know if you could survive you being a plaintiff, you were injured. I don't know if your, your lawsuit could survive a motion to dismiss. I think the causation problem, what I talk about legally, is the idea that your injuries were directly caused by the actions or the conduct of the person that you're suing. Look, is there a colorable argument that could be made? Absolutely. The fact that you didn't just put blinders on, you endorsed, you encouraged. It's almost like the inciting of what we saw Donald Trump do on January 6th. It's the same thing. But the yeah. worst part 
is that Fox News knew what it was doing the entire time. And it never did anything to ameliorate or remedy the situation. And because of that, that could create the exposure. Well, they put the news part in in scare quotes. uh, I'm going to give you the last word on this, Charlie. Somebody's dog is there. We love dogs on the show. But uh, Charlie, is there, (laughs) how, I mean, Democrats now have to decide how to respond to this. Do they still treat Fox as a news organization and go on as normal now that they know that Fox News colludes with campaigns, with Republican campaigns, and from the very top is okay with lying to their own audience. It's hard to imagine they'll ever use a clip of an interview fairly or honestly. Well, that, that's a decision they'll have to make. I mean, I think that Pete Buttigieg has uh, done a pretty good job going into uh, Fox and, and making the yes. case. But Fox has a much more difficult question. Um, what happens um, when Donald Trump starts moving up in the polls? And uh, what happens when the audience begins to respond? Remember, that a lot of this is because of the panic that they would lose the audience. Donald Trump is now attacking them, and he's trying yeah. to drive a wedge between the MAGA, uh, the MAGA world and, 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 and Fox News. What will Fox News do? Will they ever put Donald Trump on the air again to spread his lies? It's going to be an interesting choice. He's attacking none other than Paul Ryan on his fake Twitter uh, tonight. So the plot thickens. Uh, Katie Fang and Charlie Sykes, thank you both very much. Up next, uh, states of disunion. Mississippi and Tennessee are in a foot race to see who can bring back the bad old days of injustice and barbarity the fastest. Stay with us. Join MSNBC's Simone Sanders Townsend, Michael Steele, and Alicia Menendez as they team up to host The Weeknd. We want to get the newsmakers, the people that are in the middle of what is happening. It's about the conversation. A lot of Americans check out of conversations. We want to check them in. Conversation we begin and that you continue all week long. The Weeknd, Saturdays and Sundays at 8 a.m. Eastern on MSNBC. Jen Psaki. Have you ever seen the House this dysfunctional? Rachel Maddow. If winning the election is his plan to stay out of prison, what happens in that election if and when he does not win it? Mondays, back to back. Talk about the stakes of this back and forth, given Trump's behavior. What do you make of the statement from Hamas? Why they're doing it? What, what do you think it means? Inside with Jen Psaki at 8 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Rachel Maddow Show at 9 p.m. Eastern, Mondays on MSNBC. It is March, so happy Women's History Month, which in tonight's State of Disunion, Mississippi in Mississippi is the month between black, which in Mississippi is the month between Black History Month and Confederate Heritage Month, or at least that is what Governor Tate Reeves quietly proclaimed last year. Governor Reeves was more public about recognizing Black History Month this year on its final day, posting on social media about history-making black leaders. Hiram Revels, the first black U.S. senator whose election was enough to make Mississippi rewrite its constitution to exclude black voters. James Meredith, who integrated the University of Mississippi, sparking a riot by white students in which two people were killed. Civil rights icon Medgar Evers, the NAACP field secretary who was assassinated by a white supremacist in front of his own home, NFL great Walter Payton, and legendary musicians B.B. King and Sam Cooke. These men are eminently deserving, but notice the governor of the blackest state in America could not name even one of his state's great black women. Not the legendary journalist Ida B. Wells, who single-handedly exposed the horrors of lynching to the nation. Or the great Fannie Lou Hamer, the civil rights activist whose speech to the 1964 Democratic National Convention on the racist brutality facing black Americans was a turning point in the fight 
for voting rights inside the Democratic Party. It is not surprising that Governor Reeves would write black women out of his state's history, since Republicans don't really seem to give much of a toss about women or believe in intersectionality. Just ask Ron DeSantis. In true Republican fashion, Reeves also joined in on the wave of legislation targeting LGBTQ people. He signed a bill banning gender-affirming care for transgender youth with a special guest, professional right-wing troll Matt Walsh, who is against minors getting potentially life-saving health care, but defended marrying off teenage girls. Girls between the ages of like 17 and 24 is when they're technically most fertile. Yeah. Okay? That's biological. That's a fact. All right? I'm just stating facts. That's all I'm doing. But what happened recently, and this is the, the fourth fact, recently in the last 30 years or so, we decided that that's way too young to start a family. So what I'm saying is that the problem is not per se teenage pregnancy. It's unwed pregnancy. Ah, uh, yes, these modern women. We should turn back the clock and get them back at home with babies. In Hoomst, uh, Mississippi is the eighth state to enact a ban on gender-affirming care for trans youth, along with Tennessee, which today decided to pile on. Governor Bill Lee signed a bill expanding restrictions on gender-affirming care and a ban on drag performances, despite a photo that surfaced of Lee himself appearing to have dressed in drag in a school yearbook photo. And those bills are just one of the ways Tennessee Republicans are trying to end modernity and roll back the clock, including one Republican who takes it back to the most brutal battle days of all. And that's coming up next. On the MSNBC podcast, How to Win 2024, political experts, former Senator Claire McCaskill and Democratic strategist Jennifer Palmieri examine the campaign strategies unfolding in this all-important election. The focus is on the voters that are not necessarily in your corner now. If Democrats are going to win in 2024, we have to be able to explain what is happening at the border and what the solutions are. Search for How to Win 2024 wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Thursday. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Fang. Did you know my weekly show on MSNBC is now available as a podcast? With my decades of experience as a trial lawyer, you'll get an insider's perspective on all things legal. At a time when politics and the law are inextricably intertwined, my guests and I break down what's next and why it matters, both inside and outside the courtroom. Search for The Katie Fang Show wherever you're listening and follow. Republicans in Tennessee are moving full speed ahead in their quest to undo the thing they hate the most, the 20th century, with Governor Bill Lee signing a bill today that would restrict drag performances. If Governor Lee knew the history that Republicans didn't want you to learn, he'd know that drag is an art form that goes back literally centuries. It's been around since Shakespeare. But in their zeal to turn back the clock, they're also showing their ignorance about the history they don't want their own children to learn either. Tennessee's history of brutal lynchings, like the people's grocery lynching in Memphis 131 years ago today, when a white mob stormed the Shelby County Jail and viciously lynched three black men. The murder prompted a friend of the three murdered men, journalist Ida B. Wells, to begin her campaign to chronicle the horrors of lynching, which frequently took the form of public hangings, the strange fruit borne by Southern trees Billie Holiday sang about. Recently, Tennessee State Representative Republican Paul Sherrill showed his ignorance of that history, debating a bill concerning capital punishment. Now, I was just wondering about, uh, could I put an amendment on that? It would include hanging by a tree also. 
And uh, and also, uh, I would like to sign on to your bill, sir. The bill was to have firing squads come back. He since apologized to anyone that he might have hurt or offended, saying it was to convey his belief that heinous crimes in a just society uh, require the death penalty. Uh-huh. Joining me now, Juanita Tolliver, MSNBC political analyst, Democratic strategist, and co-host of the What A Day podcast, and Rick Wilson, former Republican strategist and co-founder of the Lincoln Project. What a day, uh, Juanita. Um, bringing back uh, the hanging tree. That is the Tennessee uh, new idea, ha- uh, firing squads and the hanging tree. Your thoughts? That state rep knew exactly what he was doing. He, he wasn't joking. He, and he's not even remiss today. What he was doing was sending out a test balloon to see how much cruelty he could get support for among his colleagues. And I guess somebody told him, hey, you shouldn't do that. But the reality is that state representative knew the, the legacy of lynching across this country and in Tennessee, no less, and how it was used to target black bodies for decades and decades, Joy. So he knew exactly what he was doing. And if anybody buys that apology he issued today, I don't know what to tell you, because he meant what he said and he wanted that part of cruelty to be included. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump has also said he would like to bring back firing squads, but this guy took it to the next level. And Rick, you know, just to get, let's just do Tennessee alone. So Tennessee banned critical race theory, of course. Um, the first complaint was a book about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That's got to go, apparently, according to their critical race theory ban. Tennessee, uh, there was an attempt to add rape, incest, except, rape and incest exceptions to an abortion ban. Failed. Failed. Um, you, you can't do that. Um, it, it has no explicit exemptions, requires an affirmative defense for doctors requiring them to prove it was necessary to save a life or prevent irreverse, irreversible impairment. They've also uh, joined the states that are uh, banning drag shows, banning uh, for gender-affirming care. I could go on. Tennessee is actually kind of ground zero right now for anti-LGBTQ bills. Um, what the heck is going on in the state of Tennessee? Well, look, the, the centrality of the culture war to the modern MAGA Republican Party is, it cannot be overstated. They don't have any other governing philosophy anymore. They are what I call unlimited government conservatives. They want to use the power of the government now, as they always accuse liberals of doing, to reshape society into their exact desired mold. They want to reshape society into something that is that is that doesn't have anything that makes them uncomfortable. They don't want any ideas that that could confront them with the realities of history or society or of the weird diversity and the weird, you know, various pathways that human life takes. Things that they that do not seem normal to them inside that little bubble they would love to create. Um, they're going to try to legislate against it. They've got a, they've got a huge majorities in both houses. They've got a governor in Bill Lee who is willing to go as far out on the cliff as he possibly can. And so you're going to see more of this, and it's iterating out throughout the states. They're, they're doing a lot of copycat bills in various yeah. states. So if one state gets away with it, another state will pick it up. Eight states right now have these gender-affirming care bans. I mean, the thing is, Juanita, I mean, the percentage of people who are trans, especially a, a trans kid, is like what, like under 1%. This is like a tiny group right. of people. But you would right. think that there was this, you know, sort of massive wave of parents deciding, I've got a girl, now I would like a boy, I would just change the child. Or I've got a boy, I would like a girl. Like parents are like running amok, you know, doing this. It, it is just not the case, but they're making it sound like it's some sort of epidemic because it makes them uncomfortable. Therefore, it must be illegal. And it feeds into the fears of the people who believe in this extremist type of platform and this anti-LGBTQ agenda. And what's sickening is that we know it's targeting the most marginalized people who actually need support and need care. But on top of all of that, Joy, Tennessee and Mississippi 
have much bigger issues that they need to address. I'm talking about the basic clean water, quality education, quality health care. And they're ignoring all of that for this type of extremist agenda, which we know doesn't get Republicans too far at the national stage. But this is the runway that they're setting up for 2024. And they're taking the same playbook that they used in 2022 that voters across the country rejected. But if this is the runway that the MAGA Republicans want to keep using, yeah. I, like, I don't know what to tell them as far as results in the next election cycle. And I forgot to mention that they're also punishing the city of Nashville, Rick, because they refused to host the Republican convention. Look, you know, and I, I, I always remind whenever I have you, on, I remember how we met. Remember when we used to debate because you were the small government yeah. conservative and I was the crazy yeah. liberal. And I mean, the one of the things that <laughs> look and we yeah. used to, I used to enjoy debating with you because you literally were like, we need smaller government and less government control. It's literally the opposite now. What you're seeing mm-hmm. is it's, Republicans it's so saying we need. They want the biggest government possible. They want government to tell you what books to read. They want to tell you what you can say, how you can talk. It's, it's how you wild. can live in your home. They want to monitor women's travel patterns by looking yes. at their phone data to make sure they don't go right. to another state right. to get an abortion. I'm sorry. That is some dystopian stuff. And, see, I, I did it. some dystopian stuff that, that <laughs> any conservative in the past would have been appalled by. I mean, if Barack Obama had said something like that, there would have been pitchforks and torches in the street. Come on. They would have lost their damn minds. And and here's the thing. They're acting as if, Juanita, there is a law that says you have to do someone's pronouns. There isn't. It's just called not being an a-hole. It's saying don't be a jerk. If somebody is saying call me this pronoun, you just don't be a jerk. They're saying, no, we're going to make it illegal for you to have to do. Like It's like they want to literally legislate your attitude. That is some big, big A government. And your yes. identity. They want to legislate how you live. And of course, bodily autonomy is all wrapped up in every bit of this. But we're even seeing how much further they're willing to go. Didn't DeSantis just introduce a bill that will require bloggers who wrote about him yes. to register was, with the uh, state yeah, so that state they can Senator be tracked? Jason introduced that bill today. And it says if you're blogging, which could mean Twitter, by the way, <laughs> about, about Prince Ronald the Delicate, or any of his friends, then you have to get a license from the state of Florida. And um, I, I told Jason today indirectly, um, I got that license already. It's called the United States Constitution. This is what I'm saying. That, They're literally saying you must not talk, but he's so delicate, his feelings. What happened to F your feelings? Their whole thing are black people should not have any feelings about walking under statues of right. traitors who we went to war against. As if we had like statues of Hirohito, right? That we went to war against in World War II. But, you, but we are so delicate that if you even talk about Dr. King and anybody else, we can't handle it. We got feelings, feelings. It's wild. Juanita Tolliver and Rick Wilson, they need to all be like, maybe they weren't breastfed enough. That's what it is. Right. Coddled. <laughs> saying. Thank you. That is tonight's readout. Get the best of MSNBC all in one place every day, each morning in your inbox with the MSNBC Daily Newsletter. Understand today's news. Sign up for MSNBC Daily at MSNBC.com.